Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have our special guest, Heidi Bendixson Naples. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Heidi. It is a pleasure, and I'm definitely stretching my comfort zone, but I'm excited about it. Hey, you know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just stretching our comfort zone a little. This is stretching mine as well, so I'm so glad to have you here. We'll get through it together, and it's okay. She is such an interesting and lovely human being. I am sure that we'll be just fine. So Heidi, before we talk about where we are today and the exciting things that you're involved with now, can you give us a little bit of background and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, my grandparents were immigrants from Norway and got as far as Brooklyn. Wow. My parents were born and raised in Brooklyn, met and married there, and I was born there as well. I have, um, along with two older siblings. And then my parents got out of the city and I grew up in a small town in western New Jersey near Pennsylvania called Lake Hopatcom. It's the biggest lake in New Jersey, but almost no one's ever heard of it. Wow. You're from there. And it was um, really lovely and there was not much to do except swim in the summer and ice skate in the winter. And I grew up knowing people all my life, going to school with people from kindergarten through high school. Wow. Um, was it all in one school? No, but it was pretty small, like, well, I think three schools for my entire career till graduating high school. So, and the town still has no sidewalks. Um, wow. My sister stop lives, light? pardon? Is there a stoplight? Yes, light? there's a few lights. Okay. Maybe there's one sidewalk by, sidewalk by the town hall. They must have felt that was important. But uh, my sister still lives in the house I grew up in, which is really nice. Wow. And I love to go back and visit people. We have a lot of family down at the Jersey Shore and um, northern New Jersey. Not so much in the city anymore, but I still love to visit. Um, I met my um, ex-husband in high school. Okay. And we, after college, we moved to Brooklyn to a half block from my grandmother. So that was marvelous. Awesome. Um, I was a psych major in college. Um, he had gone to school for broadcasting and um, we moved around a little bit, had my older daughter and decided to come to Colorado. We just wanted an adventure. We wanted to live somewhere else, not raise kids in New York City. Um, it was beautiful. He got a job um, for Channel 9 because he's in, went to school for broadcasting. And we realized there was nothing to eat in Denver, except steak and Mexican food. And we <laughs> missed delis, and we missed just all the ethnic, wonderful foods the East Coast had to offer. Um, so we decided, knowing nothing except waitering in college, that we should open a restaurant. Oh! And um, that was a great adventure. And after. so was that fairly quickly after you moved to Denver and were you newly, newly married then? Um, we had been married, I guess, about eight years at that point. Okay. And um, Janae, our older daughter, was four months old when we came to Colorado and we started the business in 94. Okay. So she was four. I have a younger daughter named Juliana who was nine months old. Okay. And we kind of 
didn't know enough to not do it and we just plunged forward and we did ask for a lot of help. We had a lot of good mentors and we just learned every day. Uh, Steve left his job at Channel 9 after a year and after 10 years we had five. And what are um, they? What did you open? Oh. Yeah, I mean, we gotta tell everyone. So the name of the deli is Heidi's Brooklyn Deli. You may have heard of it. Started here in Colorado, but really missing our roots and wanting to offer wonderful food to our neighbors here. And it just took on a life of its own. Our signature item is our homemade bread. We bake eight different breads from scratch every day. Wow. In a big mixer with no preservatives. So it makes every, all of our food is house made, homemade, real deli quality. Um, we took a home equity loan to open the first location. So it was just one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, all those years. And then people really loved it so much we thought franchising would be a way to grow and share what we'd created with more people. That took on a life of its own. We actually got stores in Maine and California and Arizona and they kind of found us and they're all still in business, um, doing well. We certainly had a lot of growth and then some setbacks during the recession, but it was all a learning curve. Um, my latest adventure last year was buying my ex-husband out of the business. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> that was extremely challenging and emotional um, considering a family dynamic and my older daughter who's worked for us for a long time is the president of the company now. So we worked through the process of buying him out, um, you know, kind of tried to all be graciously moving forward and honor the past as well as look to the future. So that's where Heidi's Brooklyn Deli is now. That's so amazing. And you are Heidi of Heidi's Brooklyn Deli. I mean, I sat in there and had lunch so many times over the last few years. And so when you and I met, I just was like, wow, this is amazing. You're a legend. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, thank you for sharing and congratulations on some of those recent things. When it came to making some of those decisions, I mean, moving to Colorado is a big decision just in itself, but then also, you know, taking some of those big steps using a home equity line of credit to go out and start a new business. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about sort of how some of that came to pe came to pass or even um, sort of how you, what you had to overcome in order to even take some of those steps? Well, I think it, some of it goes back to childhood and how I guess I was raised or where we were raised. Um, Steve also had immigrant grandparents. So those people and we knew their stories very well, were very adventurous and brave. Yeah. So I think that was the beginning of that feeling of you can take on new things in life. Uh, my dad was, both Steve and my dad were World War II veterans, and um, both our mothers were told they were not allowed to go to college because wow. they were girls and they had European fathers. So, um, interesting. My parents really encouraged us kids to try new things. It wasn't so important to win or be the best at something. It was just practice and try and be part of something, be part of a team, learn what that feels like. And I, to this day, am extremely collaborative. I don't really like being a leader. I prefer being part of a whole. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have a dictator type personality. 
So I think that came from my parents to just try this, try that, you may not be great. Um, so I've always tried to do things that scare me, although I don't consider myself competitive because it's more about me Yeah, trying something new. I don't right. have to prove anything to anybody else. Um, so even just going to college, all of my siblings, and we are, there's 17 years between my older sister and my younger brother, all of us ended up going to college and graduating, but my parents never said, you have to go to college or you should go to college or, you know, we expect you to go to college. Somehow I think they just said, it's good to get out there and try new things. And that's what brought us to Colorado. We said, yeah, we can do that. And yeah. some family thought, why are you going so far away? You have a brand new baby. But um, we did it. And same with the business, that we can bring something here that isn't here. And if someone else did it, we would be a customer. So if we do it, we thought people would come, and they did. And the reason for the home equity loan, um, our first location was in North Denver, which is now the Highlands. Some of you may know it. Yeah. Uh, it's changed a lot. When we opened the business, it was kind of um, a really bad neighborhood in a lot of people's eyes. And there was only one pizzeria there. There was nothing else at 32nd and Lowell. And we just saw it differently being from somewhere else. Yeah. But the banker we went to for the business loan said that those people don't eat that kind of food. Really? And I said, who are those people? Because we're all just people. Yeah. Um, so we, that's why we did the home equity one. We had bought a little Victorian house. We fixed it up. There was $37,000 of equity. And we put the rest on credit cards, which a lot of people would think that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> right? But we worked hard and we had, I think, a lot of tenacity and a lot of good guidance from people and just kept learning. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. You know, when we were talking when, in, when we were first meeting and it was just like so interesting that you have done all of this and been a part of this very successful business from its inception through um, franchising and then taking it all on as your, as your own baby in a whole new season. Um, and yet to have such humility about where you've come and what you've done um, is such a, a gracious and and wonderful character trait and and so in the in the kind of topic of social capital you know it's like I'd love for you to sort of share how you ha feel like connecting with people has been a piece of what you've done throughout your journey um, with Heidi's Brooklyn Deli and some of the other stuffs I mean you guys have owned restaurants in the Highlands and beyond just Heidi's Brooklyn Deli uh, as well well thank you for saying we're successful Sometimes it didn't feel that way, and it is still challenging every day. We've had, um, you know, I don't, there's so many quotes out in the world about failure, so I, we've certainly had our share. I prefer to look at them as lessons and, um, you know, what not to do or what to do better <laughs> or what we don't know and to seek out people that know more than we do um, and to partner with people we really like and that have similar values. So... In the business, we have sought out vendors, and our food quality is really amazing. We went clean, meaning hormone-free, antibiotic-free, nitrate-free, about eight years ago, before it wow. became a big buzzword, um, you know, and everybody and their brother says we're natural, which, by the way, has no meaning whatsoever in food service. But oh, uh, so don't 
the word natural means nothing. Just so really, you know. yeah. So they can just say that. Tell us more. They it, can just say what they want. Well, it sounds good, doesn't it? We all <laughs> want to eat what's good for us, and we want to know where it comes from. And, but um, yeah, interesting. It's, there's multi layers, and we learned so much on in our eight years discovering this, but we chose our vendors very carefully. Most of them are still family owned, which is awesome. That is awesome. It's a privately held, so they're not serving publicly traded shareholders, right? They can stick to their mission and values. And um, it's just wonderful to hear those stories because we can tell their stories through our own story. And I think that customers and um, will more and more appreciate that. And we want to align ourselves with people like that. So. Um, that's a big piece of promoting one another and kind of living in the same world and believing in it. Um, wow, that's awesome. So that really goes to that idea that we're stronger together. I mean, you have even a stronger story as Heidi's Brooklyn Deli with the stories and knowing the stories of the vendors and suppliers that you work with um, than even you did just separate out on your own. Yes, and it, the, part of the transition was very challenging because franchisees are independent business people that believed in what we were doing. So not all of them wanted to make that shift with us eight years ago, so we chose to be a more gentle franchisor. Many franchisors are very strict, um, especially the big ones can be. Um, we just didn't want to take that path. We really wanted our franchisees to embrace it, so we let people sign on to that program gradually. And we still actually have two franchisees that sell conventional product, not that it's not good product, but we're slowly trying to honor that they believed in us mm -hmm. and they are our partners in this journey, so they deserve to be heard as well. Um, so I can't say we're right all the time. We are just seeking the best quality food and the best possible experience and partners and other vendors as well, even comes to our you know bank and credit card processing all the practical things that the boring side of business we're <laughs> right. trying to align ourselves with people we really like so we can grow together and um, really know that we have the same value system right I mean it isn't that the old adage but people do business with people that they know like and trust right yes. and that's kind of the whole premise of social capital in some regard is this idea that when you know and like and trust someone you'll go beyond just the normal day-to-day -day surface level stuff for them usually. Or you'll make sure or go out of your way to do something to provide value to them. Uh, one of the things you mentioned is how you engage with your franchisees. And I think I'd love to just hear more about, I mean, you must feel something or believe something about your engagement with them and allowing and honoring their trust in you to have not gone in and just hardcore made them make some of these decisions that you thought were right. Um, how do you sort of engage on that level? Like what is your philosophy towards your, um, your franchisees? Well, I think I have to really give that credit to my daughter. Um, first of all, when our early franchisees met us, our kids were still young. They were four and nine months old when we opened. So then at that point they were 14 and 10, 11 when we franchised. So we always wanted to meet people and make sure we liked them. Obviously, we took our daughters everywhere. <laughs> so they grew up blessing curse kind of thing, <laughs> loving it and hating it, but um, they certainly learned a lot. So I think franchisees saw this family dynamic. 
I have to also honor my ex-business partner, my ex-husband, because he's very dynamic. Um, so I was not necessarily the bigger voice. Um, since our separation and divorce, I've learned that, and it's been uh, a growth stage for me to become more of who I am, independent of the business, and be Heidi. Right. I was not really the face of Heidi's. But I have to credit my daughter for being the voice. She has an amazing relationship with our franchisees. She, last year after the buyout, she traveled to every store and spent time with them. And really, her philosophy was let me hear where they're at. Where do they want to go to? What do they want in five years or 10 years? If they've been with us for 10 years or 12 years, are they happy? Are they looking to do something else with their lives and how can we facilitate their success and keep our brand and kind of honor what they've done for us all these years. So I really have to give credit to her uh, for that because so, uh, she really cares and she wants to connect and wants for us all to move forward and have a vision together. Absolutely, and that's huge. You said something that's so key is listening. You know, so, so often people will tell us what we need to be doing if we'll listen. Wow, that's awesome. It's so cool that you have, like, you can have such a family business still. Your daughter's involved in. Yeah, she is. And then my younger daughter actually went away to school two years on the East Coast and four years in London. She just got her master's in awesome. um, film. Um, and she has always worked with us and for us as well. She can be very creative, but she also does our bookkeeping. So she's an integral part of the business side of the business and keeping us you know aware I think often when people start businesses they are passionate about what they're doing but the business side gets shoved aside or not dealt with and that can lead to issues and troubles um, I learned that early so to have systems in place to deal with the not so exciting stuff is really important um, but Juliana also having traveled extensively and been far away at school for six years, she brings a fresh perspective. She's back and helping us a bit and okay. just has a youthful and we're learned so much from her peers in London. We're from all over the world. So she brings thoughts and ideas to the table as well. And sometimes I'm a little older and <laughs> time for me to step aside because they see the world differently in a great way, including the social capital piece of how can we be inclusive? How can we help the world while we do what we love? And have like a cause or an impact towards what we're trying to accomplish or bigger than what we're just selling our products or our service. Uh, that's, that's awesome and thank you so much for sharing. Um, you know, it's obvious that you're passionate about your family and about um, taking good care of the franchisees who have been a, such a piece of this growth. Where do you think uh, so much of that passion comes from? I know you mentioned your parents um, and sort of how they raised you. Where else do you think that some of that passion and that entrepreneurial <coughs> spirit comes from? Um, well, my mom, again, because she was told she could not go to college, she was very smart. She opened a business when I was five. Wow. And she owned it for 40 years. Wow. Until she unfortunately had Alzheimer's, so until she couldn't go anymore, uh, my sister and I had to kind of wind it down, which was sad, but how thrilling for my mom to have done that for 40 yeah. years. She actually had two locations for a while. So that was 
kind of my thought, oh, I can do this on the business side. And also she was very much a community person and okay. being in a small town, very active in community organizations. So I think I learned and watched those things go hand in hand. Yeah. So when my kids were in school, I was always involved. Once they were grown up and I was single, I had the freedom to join chambers of commerce or neighborhood groups or neighborhood associations. And I really wanted to know and understand what other people were going through in their businesses and in their communities. Right. Because I think that all goes hand in hand. You can't be a business and not be in your community, I don't think. Right. And the reason I network is not because I think somebody will buy a sandwich or a franchise tomorrow, because there's a vast difference between those, but just because I really love people and if I can create relationships that I enjoy, I may be able to connect, which is how we met. Yeah. Um, people. Yes. And help them on their journey and also share what I've learned the hard way. You know, you touched just right there on a few things about how you build relationships and strong relationships. Do you have a, think that there's a few key components to or a few key ingredients to really building strong relationships with people around you? I think for me, it's be willing to be authentic and vulnerable. And as I said, uh, we've had many failures. So being willing to share that is important because um, I meet sometimes people that I not really inclined to follow up with because they're you know only successful there's no reality or right. challenges there and I think that's how we learn from each other um, I also find I'm attracted to certain types of people people that are interested that's what makes them interesting to right me, in more than just what they do or just where they went to college in fact I never tell people what I do when I meet them and it comes around eventually, but I prefer not to because I really just want to get to know people. Yeah. Um, so. So authenticity, vulnerability. Um, honesty. Honesty. I can tell you all my dark stories, and I'm, I'm very frank with that. Maybe it's being from the East Coast or being transparent, but I share a lot. Um, you know, and I would say, if all our franchisees are happy, no, probably not. They probably... <laughs> would have some things they could say that, no, sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're not. And um, that's where my daughter is really seeking to align and listen well and adapt to change. Because um, it's not just about us. Right. Nothing's just about us. Well, and that's a huge piece I think you just touched on is it's not about you. You really are looking at it at that relationship as it being about them. Right. We want their success because that's our success. And also... I've always felt that business is personal. Sometimes you say, oh, it's, it's not personal, it's business, but everything's personal. We all have our own perspectives. We all lean toward wanting to be right, which would <laughs> no. someone else is wrong. So I've really in, worked on myself to try to let people be who they are and learn from them. And if we disagree about something, maybe there's something I can learn from them that I haven't thought of myself um, and I have s removed the words always and never from my vocabulary always and never because I think in relationships that puts people into a box and we don't like being put in a box and I'm sure the person we're talking to doesn't so um, you know I think being nimble or um, 
flexible is essential in relationships yeah as well as doing business and in our just running our own household or you know that's still sort of like a business too <laughs> that's true it can be very much like we'll have to take care of our stuff <laughs> yeah and I'm not always good at that well no thank you for sharing because that those are really great pieces of wisdom for people who are looking to just be more aware of how they can be building mutually beneficial relationships and um you know you do you see like when you look back on your life do you see some main relationships that really changed the course or directed the course of your life and why um i consider myself um quite loyal so i still have friends from two years old three years old i just went to a high school reunion last year where it was multi-classes from my hometown and it was fantastic because I knew people from kindergarten through high school. Oh my so gosh. I don't like get rid of people. Yeah. I had one friend break up with me and I was mature enough to let it go. But, <laughs> um, so I liked, I feel that adding relationships just expands and enhances life. Um, pe so people, certainly my parents, uh, my ex-husband, my children, when I became single, the friends that I made that were very different than me, but I think what we shared was we were honest and authentic. Yeah. So I learned so much from them because they had completely different stories. We, some had no children, some were never married, some were, some were divorced, some were older than me, some were younger than me, and my world just expanded by um, making an effort to connect and before that, I didn't have time raising kids and running the business. So it was a welcome chapter for me. And I really, really enjoyed that. But what I expected was authenticity and honesty. So if I didn't align with someone, I didn't put energy. Right. From the get-go. Into that. And that no criticism intended. Everybody has their, you know, circles. Right. Um, I just feel the more wonderful people I meet, the better I am. And we can help each other and grow. And there's certainly different chapters in life. Um, and one thing I really enjoy is networking or group gatherings. I love to entertain. At the same time, I really make an effort to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, like when we met right. with friends. I don't always want to have a party. Yes. I want those authentic, deeper conversations to hold space for that friendship. Absolutely, and you, you kind of are leading us right there. If we come to like current, um, what are you involved in? Kind of what's your latest adventure or what, is there anything you'd like to promote? Kind of bring us, fast forward us to, to where we are today. Well, hopefully uh, on the Heidi's Brooklyn Deli side, this year, September 9th is our 25th anniversary. Awesome, congratulations. Seems like yesterday, so that is amazing. Um, so we plan to celebrate that in through the following year and um, now that we visited all the franchisees and we cemented and really valued our vendor partnerships we want to focus on that cool. and really let the world know um, hopefully with some non-traditional advertising uh, we are a tiny company so we don't have a big budget for that sort of thing um, and also uh, start to franchise again because we really took this last year to identify our values, right? create our mission, and make sure the partners we're exposing or sharing with either partners or franchisees match. Yes. 
On me, per, my personal side, I've started consulting. So I realized I've learned so many lessons the hard way. And <laughs> I talked to so many brilliant people that want to start businesses and have amazing ideas and they're passionate about that. But the business side is kind of a, what trips people up. So as far as restaurants, which encompasses all the employment and distribution and food quality and all the things we learned the hard way and really kind of were taken advantage of for a long time until we learned how it works. Um, and then small business and um, also franchising because I have a lot of people say, I think I want to franchise. And I say, Are you sure? Because there's so much to know and it isn't always the right path. There's other ways to grow without franchising, which is regulated by the government and it's a costly step. Um, and I love to see people grow and thrive, but I, if I can share what I've learned and help them make better choices, I would love to do that. So that's kind of my new chapter too. I'm so excited and congratulations for starting that consulting business. Cause when we were talking, it was something you were looking at doing and you were kind of excited about it. Um, so who is your ideal client? Well, what I found, I actually mentored a lot of people in the past more about restaurants and how we got from point A to point B. But I would say anyone that is willing to be honest with me and themselves to identify where, what they're passionate about, where they want to get to. But what I've become really knowledgeable about, and it's not always fun, is the business side of the business. For instance, insurance and the options and how not to be taken advantage of. Um, banks, there's big banks, small banks, what's the best? They're not all the same. There can be great experiences and there can be bad experiences. And I've learned that the hard way. Um, credit card processing, workers' comp insurance, how to save money in the long term and not have your rate go up, unemployment insurance. On a high level, I've learned about all these things. So I really want people to be sensitive to them that they're really important and handling things from the start or if you're already in a small business and somebody feels they don't know enough about that or they've never considered it or it's a piece of their business they just trusted their neighbor's brother-in-law who happens to be an insurance agent with their future right um, i feel like i can offer guidance in all those areas to just help people get on the right most sensible paths so they can truly enjoy what they do. Um, and then on the, so restaurants, all about how distributors work, food cost works, inventory, how to make the most and have the less waste and hold on to the most money so you can grow. And what is the plan? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Do you want just this one thing? Or if it was successful, would you want to duplicate it? What should be the path? And then also help people really know in their heart they're on the right path and um, as far as franchising so many people have wonderful businesses and wonderful ideas but franchising isn't necessarily the right way to grow there's lots of other opportunities so i just want to see people thrive and if i can share what i've learned and ask questions to so they look deep and yeah. make right decisions that's my goal Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You'll have to keep us posted. In our show notes, we will have all the information for how to contact Heidi and uh, get in touch with her about this business. Now you also have to share with us about your plate breaking party and some of the shoe parties and some of the other fun stuff. She said she likes events and likes to throw parties. Tell us a little bit about some of those. Um, so as I said, when I became single, I had a lot of time to cultivate friendships. My daughters were 
just in college and in high school, so both very busy and independent. And I love to bring people together. So the shoe happy hour was um, the result of me loving shoes <laughs> and moving. Um, Steve and I, after college, had moved back to Brooklyn and I walked to work in my high heels and my <laughs> foot size has never changed, so I have quite a collection of shoes. And I realized living in Colorado, we're so casual here. I have flip flops on. Um, my shoes never came out to play. So I had an idea and I know a lot of fabulous women and they could invite fabulous women. I think a couple of men have come too, where we just pick a dive bar and it's not about what you wear, it's not clothes, it's just get your pretty shoes out to play. And the very first one, four of us showed up in a blizzard and we went to the Buckhorn Exchange and we all brought our shoes with us and changed there. But uh, fortunately I have a friend who's a great organizer so although it's my idea, she, every couple of months, puts it out there on a Facebook invite and a friends can invite friends. So it's kind of turned into a really fun way to connect and see friends and make it a point to get together. Oh my like, gosh, that's awesome. And now the plate one, tell us a little bit more about that so, one. So um, that has become a tradition. This December sol uh, winter solstice will be the eighth one. Uh, we had a restaurant in the mountains that failed and we lost a lot of money during the recession and um, I had plates from that restaurant and I don't consider myself an angry person but I was <laughs> extremely frustrated at all that was lost including my marriage so I held on to these plates for a while and I was thinking it would be feel so good to break them but then I thought about um, like Greek tradition where they break things to celebrate. Yeah. I thought about beautiful ceremony in Jewish weddings where they step on the glass and I've actually looked up what these things mean um, and it actually honors history. Really? It's not only a celebration, There's, it's really fascinating, I encourage you to look it up, but it also symbolizes change and growth and joy. Wow. So I decided to have a party with girlfriends and invited all the women that I really liked and I thought that maybe 10 would come because it's always on the weekend of the winter solstice and about 35 friends came. Wow. I didn't know I had that many but everybody thought and they, these were from 80 years old to my daughter's friends who were teenagers and everything in between. Yeah. So a lot of people not you know, not similar to me, we're all different. And what I had people do is write on the front of the plate what they're celebrating or calling in from the universe yeah. or praying for from God, whatever meant something to them. Um, what was joyful, what was successful. And on the back of the plate, we wrote what we needed to let go of, what we needed to release, who we were forgiving, what we needed to change. So kind of positive, yeah. negative. Uh, and then my house is a 63 ranch on the west side of town. I don't think the architect planned to have a niche in the wall that was perfect for my party, but he did. <laughs> so I hang a tarp and we go outside and it's usually freezing cold and we all stand there and people can talk. They don't have to talk. They can share. They don't have to share. I want everyone to be comfortable. Um, and one at a time, we throw out our plate at the wall and it feels really good. <laughs> It's really fun, and I've, 
seen now over these years, I've had friends that have made it to every single party. So now they know one another. Yeah. Even though they wouldn't naturally maybe become friends outside of here, they're connected. Yeah. And I see these like, hi, how are you? And they catch up and it could be an entire year. And certainly other friendships have evolved from this as well, but everyone's so busy. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, pretty cool. So every year it's around 40 people. Oh my gosh. But I also feel whoever's meant to be there will be there. Yeah. So I plan it on that weekend and I respect that people are traveling and it's holiday time and work schedules change. Right. The solstice falls on a different day every year. Uh -huh. But I always approach it like whoever's meant to be here will be here to share and connect. And um, I get people are already asking me, when is it? I want to put it on the calendar. <laughs> and I have a, a friend who's moving to Seattle next week and I we had wine on my patio the other day and she said I'm coming back for it awesome I'm oh my gosh I think so, that's so fun I hope you can come I'm definitely I'm gonna be there I uh I'm, I'm thinking right now what I'm gonna write on my plate I uh, started yeah I've started now um that's so fun and I think that's such a great example of how in building social capital it's really just it can be a passion it can be an interest it can just be something that's sort of fun and then if you can create enthusiasm around it and build a little community or a sense of community around it, you create an opportunity for people to connect with one another and to see each other's need and to be a solution for one another. Mm -hmm. And uh, such a cool thing. I mean, I think sometimes we overthink this idea of networking and this idea of building our community or, or connecting with people because it can totally be a plate throwing party um, or a shoe wearing party that is the platform that can be used to really build this this connection, this human connection. Well, as people, I am attracted to small business people for some reason. <laughs> right, go um, figure. They, you know, I've watched by introducing friends to one another to watch their businesses grow and I try to support them, but then I can share that with I love to share people yeah with one another and that includes their success in their professional life as well as their personal life and also as we all go through challenges I've watched those connections really show up for one another because there's hard stuff in life too and it's really important to know you have that energy and support it's huge it's huge and that's where if you lose social capital it can be de incredibly detrimental. Have you seen people who have actually had some of that community and then lost it? Uh, I think that I've, I mean, I know my ex and I worked really hard not to with our respective families, but there was some of that. And then um, certainly in business, we've dealt with some really not aligned people over the years that led us down some really challenging paths and um, looking back I think it can go both ways and that is something to be cautious about but at the same time if you're creating relationships with people you like and trust right most or all of the time choosing yes. even the right bank or the right business partner oh my gosh or right. um, it helps you avoid the harder times and those little um, domino effects that can happen when things go awry Absolutely. Do you have any advice to anyone who might be listening that um, you would just share with them looking back over all of your experiences? Yes. In Ask for help. 
You don't know everything. No one does. So learn what your skills are and what your skill sets are, and then ask for help. Find the right people, and it could be advice, it could be professionals. Certainly in the professional world, when you're choosing an accountant or a lawyer, you need the right one. So a lot goes into that. Again, don't hire your brother-in-law as great as, or sister-in-law as great as they are, <laughs> unless you vet out that they're the perfect match for you. Right. Um, so ask for, learn to ask for help. Don't wait till the ship is sinking before you ask for help. If you're in a partnership with someone, make sure you know what's expected of each of you. And I think in families as well, this works. I'm not always great at it, but managing expectations avoids conflict and confrontation. Um, because perspective is reality and we all, as I said before, we all know we're right. We <laughs> want right. to sway people to see the world the way we do, but that's not always possible. Uh, so identifying one's own skill sets and surrounding yourself with the right people who will be honest too with you is essential. Um, so, and then asking for help when you need it. Because sometimes once you've identified your skill sets, you're kind of in your zone doing your thing, and then when you get in trouble, you don't want to tell. <laughs> right. And then, like, oh, should I shut up? Oh, sorry, I should have said that. You can edit <laughs> no, you're that. Good. You can, um, <laughs> we're good. We're, we're okay. Yeah, ask for help. Ask for help. That's a huge but one. Be responsible for your stuff, too. Yeah. Can you give us an example of what that might look like? Which? Well, just the, the idea of owning your own stuff and being responsible. I think sometimes that's where, you know, when you look at um, your social capital and building your network and the power of your network, so often it really starts with us. It's all about them a lot of times, but it really starts with us, which sometimes can be right in that owning your stuff. Um, well, I'm not, I'm, my, one of my big faults is I'm not great at communicating. Uh, so sometimes people don't know what's happening and I should communicate better and also I Really dislike confrontation So I try to micromanage things so everyone is fine and no one is hurt and I'm probably doing too much um, And not holding others accountable But at the same time I need to hold myself more accountable for communicating Interesting and just to be that self-aware um, is a piece of what I think you do in building relationships. I mean, in our experience together, you're very, you're, you've done these things and yet you remain incredibly humble. You're also very self-aware and because you are so authentic and willing to share the goods and the bads, the positives and the, the highs and the lows more so, um, you create this, this space for those around you to be willing to do the same thing. And, you know, and as we talked, it's, it's kind of interesting. I would love your perspective um, on sort of, it, you're in like the second act of your life in some regard. You know, it's like you kind of, we come out and we're all ready to go, rip roaring, like taking on the world. And you are, have sort of done that and come through that. And now you're kind of looking at the second best part of your life. Um, as you do that, do you feel like your perspective has changed at all? Do you still continue to see things the same way or have you, do you see that you're making a shift in some of those? I think, um, I think I've learned a lot, a lot of hard lessons. I look at life as chapters. So I had my chapter growing up in a small town and then I had college and then I had living in Brooklyn again with my ex and that was a chapter. And then moving to Colorado and sort of that Colorado chapter encompasses 
basically the entire life of both my children, because Janae was four months old when we moved to Colorado. Then it entails my business life with Heidi's Brook and Deli and my marriage. So those chapters all had different time frames. Yeah. So I'm always, and I am not of the philosophy that just because a chapter ends, it must have been a bad one. Right. I really try to be positive and look at all the gifts and the lessons um, and say, you know, chapters end and now it's time for a new chapter. So I'm excited for this, but what I, um, one of the big lessons I've learned is you can't fix people. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that ties into you should work on yourself, but learn your skills yeah. and gifts and talents and then ask for help and keep growing, keep learning, um, but not use a lot of energy trying to fix other people. <laughs> we can all use that, right? If we would focus the energy we use on other people trying to change them on ourselves, uh, that could have a pretty major impact where it may not have an impact by trying to change the other person. And I think it really applies to that managing your our own expectations. We can't expect from others what we don't give ourselves. And they have their own gifts and talents. We can't change them. We have to accept them. And if we choose to share energy and share time with people, so be it, but um, make it positive and keep learning. And I do find the most interesting people are the people that are interested in the world. And you know, that's why I so much enjoy one-on-one -on -one conversations with people because there's, everybody has wonderful, amazing stories. Isn't it true? We can learn and be excited for and about those. Absolutely. That's the goal of this show is really just to be inspiring to other people by telling your story and just sharing how you have taken um, what life threw at you and turned it into this beautiful thing. And um, I just so appreciate you being here. And if you have any final thoughts, we'd love to hear them before we wrap up. Um, well, I don't know. It's been a pleasure. This definitely stretches my comfort zone because I'm not used to being in front of people, so I appreciate that opportunity. You did um, fabulous. It's part of my new chapter, I guess. Yes, so, totally. Um, yeah, and if you ever want a really good sandwich, go to Heidi's Brook and Deli. Go to <laughs> Heidi's. Thank you so much for being here, Heidi. Thank you, Sarah. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.